0: good morning we are in philippians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11 if you want to turn to that in the scriptures this morning i've chosen that i want to read this out of the message today and uh i don't have my all my different bibles with me i've just got my nlt so i've got it here on a sheet okay so this is the text i want to read this to you you've read this section of scripture if you've been walking with the lord or maybe you're new to church and you're like man i've never, never even read philippians Well, we'll I'll be teaching out of that today, but I want you to hear it from the message, Philippians 3, 1 through 10. And that's about it, friends. Be glad in God. I don't mind repeating what I've written in earlier letters, and I hope you don't mind hearing it again. Better safe than sorry. So here goes. Steer clear of the barking dogs. Those religious busybodies all barking, no bite. All they're interested in is appearances, knife-happy circumcisors. That didn't sound very nice. I call them. The real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it, even though we, can't, we can list what we, many might think are impressive credentials. You know my pedigree a legitimate birth circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to the God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, and even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up, I'm throwing it out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. When did you think you'd hear dog dung in church? I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some pretty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave it all. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally and experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Now, I know you're going, man, my Bible don't read like that right there. But the gist of that, Eugene Peterson is a a Greek scholar, and we will talk about Dung and other stuff here today. But we're talking about knowing Christ, the joy of knowing Christ. This series is all about joy in different compartments, situations, circumstances of our life. But, you know, ultimate joy, it all comes down to the one person the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I've got some joy. Well, you maybe have some happiness. And if you have joy, it's in a relationship with Christ. Without that, you don't have. I, I love what Billy Sunday one time said. If I have no joy as a Christian, there's a leak somewhere in your Christianity. <laughs> it's just leaked out because there's only joy by abiding in Christ. And Christ abiding in you. It's John 15 if you want to look at the text. And look at the very top of your outline today. It says, where, it looks like oi, but it's supposed to be, where is your joy? So go ahead and fill out the rest of that on your outline. Where is your joy centered? You know, what I've learned is joy is always centered on a person. And that person happens to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I have ultimate and overflowing and abundant expression of joy, I'm centering in on Christ. When I don't have joy, when I have an absence of joy, I've probably centered on myself. I've probably centered on circumstances. I've probably centered on the things of this world. I've centered on something else other than Christ, who who wants to share his glory with no one. And I just wonder, sometimes we're in the danger of losing our joy here, because we tend to want to find satisfaction in other things. And if we're real honest, we all would go, you know, sometimes I find satisfaction in this now i find it in that and i don't know what it is it's different for all of us maybe it changes in different seasons you know a lot of us like sports so we find a lot of joy satisfaction in sports or or how many of you are excited about the beach and the lake and the pool and all that season coming don't you love that are like man coming i've already started okay well you're a little crazy although what can i say about crazy i drive a convertible and it was 56 degrees as i drove over this morning with the top down somebody a minute ago said you don't, you don't really have the top down. You just put it down when you get here. No, no, I, I just like to drive, and, and Blake won't ride with me unless it's uh, over 75. <laughs> Sorry, Blake. But I, I, just, I just like that cold weather, man. It's just kind of fun, you know, blowing through there. Now, let me go ahead and give a little fill. I do turn on the bun warmer. Okay, all right, so I'm a sissy. All right. But here it is. We want to answer honestly. We want to reevaluate, do we have joy? So just ask yourself, am I a person of joy? No. If you ask somebody else about your life and you go, would you say, I am I a person of joy? How would they answer that? And some would go, absolutely, over the top they have joy. And others you go, no, I would call you a person of depression. I would call you a person of negativity. I would call you a person of something, but I wouldn't call you a person of joy. And this whole letter is written to try to encourage us that joy is something that works on the inside and it expresses itself out. See, joy is Christ. Joy is Christ working in us. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago about working out our salvation, not working for, working out our salvation. Christ in us working, expressing his life out. That's the life that God intends for us. And some of you, so many of you have figured that out. You're like, man, I've got that. So let's fill in the first blank. Rejoice is a choice. It's a choice that you and I have to make. I can choose to grumble, to complain, to whine, to moan. You can fill in some other words. <laughs> or you can say, "You know what? I'm going to choose to rejoice in the Lord. In the Old Testament, there's so many passages from the Psalms and Nehemiah and other passages where they chose to rejoice and to trust in the God that they loved. And yet it's not any different for us in 2016. Like, Lord, what am I doing? Am am I happy with you? Like in one passage in 1 Samuel, I like it. It says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. And I found that to be a principle for my life. Sometimes I just need to encourage myself in him. Look at Philippians 3.1 here that will come up on the screen from the Living Bible. In this particular translation, it says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice. In your Bible there, when you're looking at Philippians 3, 1, circle the word rejoice. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it as a safeguard for your faith. See, Paul was reiterating. He was uh, telling us, guard your joy, because your joy is subject to fade. Your your joy is subject to leak. Your subject is, is subject to depart from you. So guard your joy with all diligence. Like, here we go. You're on the way somewhere, and you get a ticket. Does that steal your joy? (laughs) Yeah, that steals my money, too. And here's one. Let's see how spiritual we are. If we go out this afternoon, and you know when you circle around parking lots, I know you're praying, and you're praying for a parking spot. But when you're circling around, and somebody else cuts in right in front of you, do you say nice things about them? Absolutely. Don't lie. You're in church. No, especially when they're another member of our church and they just did it in front. of No, no. I mean, don't, don't you love it? I mean, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, oh, Lord, I don't want to be a Christian for 30 seconds. No, no, no I do. I do. I, I want to be a Christian all the days of my life. I want to be a Christian every minute. But some things just still our joy and it's just kind of crazy. Now, this thing he talks about reminding us. I want you to write down a, a verse that I found this week. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. And he begins to talk to us here about remembering, about reminding. Look at 2 Peter 1.12. Listen to this. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already knew them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. Here he is. Peter is reminding them of some things of faith. I do that as a preacher. I remind you over and over because I remind myself and I remind us to be faithful. How about this, students, children, anybody? Did your mom and dad have a habit of repetition in your house? Raise your hand. Why do you think that was? Because you needed to be reminded. Here's one that I always tell me. Keith, take out the trash. You just told me that two days ago. And I'm going to tell you again. And again, and again, I, I remember the story one time about the guy that I read. I thought this was hilarious. The dad said, now, son, I want you to cut the grass. He goes, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. He says, now, you got a big date Friday night. I, want, I, don't, I know you like sweet things. You're going to go on a date. Cut the grass. Yes, sir, come in Monday from ball practice started doing his homework dad said you cut the grass no sir so i'm gonna cut tomorrow come in tuesday morning. Son, son you cut the grass no sir i'm gonna do it hit wednesday dad i'm going to youth group blah 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 i can't do it son remember you got a date you're not going out till you cut the grass thursday come friday came the boy didn't get it he didn't cut the grass he came in his dad came in to meet him came home from work he said son what are you doing got a hot date dad getting ready to go out he said no you're not either he said the grass is not cut dad it's dark he said, tell you what, got it taken care of. I got a couple of neighbors coming over, and I'm coming over. Blake's coming over, and we're going to shine the lights on the yard. You're going to cut the grass, boy. And the boy cut the grass in the dark. You know what the principle is? He was driving home. I'm going to remind you of these things. The boy never forgot to cut the grass again. Sometimes we have to be reminded great truths of Scripture. And yet, uh, when he's reminding here, it, it's for us, like, do this. Now, look at verse 2. Here's what he's going to jump in, and he's going to begin to tell us something here. He's going to talk about these dogs. Wow! Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil. Now, a lot of you have pets, and you have dogs and cats and all those kind of things. And some people have sheep. We'll leave them. Uh, okay. But... But there's only one person in this room that has sheep. Matter of fact, I think it's cool. All right, so if, if you've got a dog, and when I think about dogs, y'all go, Oh, his name's Barney. He's blah, blah, blah. I don't know where I got Barney from anyway. But you just you, you got your little dog, and your dog is domesticated, and your dog smells good most of the time, and your dog looks good, and you give it treats, and you brush your teeth, hopefully. And, uh, and you take care of that dog, and that dog, you, you're saying, Oh, dogs, dogs are great. But have you ever thought about this? When, they, when you read Scripture, when they talk about dogs, dogs not associated with anything good. Matter of fact, go talk to a male man or a male woman. Ask them about dogs. I still remember when I was growing up, the way we always did our mail, you had to get out of the car, and you had to walk up to the front door, and you had to, you know, hit on the screen or whatever, and you would put the mail in the mailbox. And I can always remember those mailmen, and I, and I got to know this one mailman, Mr. John. And when, when I was growing up, I'd see Mr. Morgan, and he, sometimes he'd be on the run. He'd be on the sprint. I'd go, where are you going? He goes, I'm running from that collie. I'm running from that shepherd. And I would laugh as a kid. I thought it was kind of funny, until I got chased one time. But dogs here, he's talking about dogs that are evil. He's talking about people that are legalists. He's talking about people uh, that he's habitually referring to these people that have missed the way. They're unclean. So uh, I just thought I'd give you some verses. I've already written all the references right there. I didn't write them, but actually... They're typed in. Listen to Proverbs twenty-six, eleven. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Not a very good thought about dogs today, is it? Don't worry, I won't talk about vomit, but a little bit, and then we'll get you to lunch. Okay, all right. Second Peter two twenty two dung and vomit hanging there with me okay of them the proverbs are true a dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to its wallowing in the mud psalm 59 5 through 6 you lord god almighty you are the god of israel rouse yourself to punish all the nations show no mercy to the wicked traitors. they return in evening snarling like dogs and they prowl about the city Revelation 22, 15. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. See, are you getting the association that dogs aren't good? I'm not talking about your dog, I'm talking about these dogs here. Matthew 15, 26. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to the dogs. And basically, he's referring here to the Judaizers, Judaizers, to, to the legalists of the day. And there's a danger in religious legalism. It cancels out. It nullifies relationship with Jesus. Religion is about man-made rules and rituals to keep. I can think of nothing more boring than to have a systematic book of rules to have to keep to be a good person and somehow hoping to earn my way to God. Ugh! But God gives us his love letter that has laws, that has precepts, that has uh, things for us, decrees that we live our life and we base them on, but he gives us the power through the Spirit. Look at verse 3. No confidence in the flesh, but he relies on Christ. He relies on the person of Christ. Here, matter of fact, did, did, I, did I do the blank for you? Beware the dogs. The, the dogs are false teachers. Just write in the word false teacher. Sorry. I just realized I didn't do that. Some of you are like, is he going to fill in that blank? I wish he would. So some of you are going to leave here bugged all day. So, hey, do this for me. I'm going to give you permission. If I ever forget a blank, just hold your hand up, okay? Just hold it up. That means, hey, repeat. You know what I'm saying about it? Just repeat. Now, if you hold your hand up a lot, it's not going to be good. Okay, so let's go to verse 3. No confidence in the flesh, but rely on Christ. See, he talks here in Scripture He talks about something that, you know, know, let's just face it. It's just straight out of Scripture. He talks in here about circumcision. He talks about the cutting away, about cutting off here. And what he's talking about, that we need to have true circumcision of the heart But here, they were thinking, but to be a Christian, you have to do this plus circumcision. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, that's kind of crazy. But he's really saying, what I want you to spiritually do is, I want you to cut off sin. I want you to cut off impurity, dishonesty, unkindness, ungodliness, all sins of the flesh. That's what Christ did on the cross. Christ took all your sin, all all my wrath. He took that on for you, so get rid of that. It's not, circumcision, Jesus would say, is no longer a bodily mark to a person, but there's a new symbol, it's it's putting on Christ in faith, it's putting on Christ in the waters of baptism. And and I just want to make a plea here, some of you need to follow Christ in new ways, some of you need to follow Christ in baptism, and, and that would be putting him off, putting off the sinful nature, putting on Christ. And then he says, so beware of these dogs or these legalists. And he says, beware of evil workers. These are the people that pull themselves up by their own religious bootstrap. They they think they can earn their way to God. They think their legalism, their righteousness can save them. But Jesus says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. It is detestable. It's deplorable. It's horrible. Don't, Don't come around me trying to earn your way. I shed my blood for you. To pave a way to the Father because I love you. So he moves on down through here in verse four through six. Now, I'm I'm gonna, uh, or what I wanna give you here, I I wanna give you this uh, passage. Let it go ahead and follow up. He talks about worship, John 4 24. This is what Jesus says I want you to do. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So this morning, I pray that we're spirit people. Oh, yes, Lord, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our lives and our hearts. But make us a people that love truth. We're committed to Scripture. We love the Word, but we are worshipers in spirit and truth. We follow after you, Lord. So enough of this outward, fleshy stuff. I want to worship you from a a right heart and putting off sin and putting on Christ. And then the next section you're going to find a little weird here, verse 4 through 6. Paul moves from a bragamony, I think I made a word up, to a testimony. I don't even know if, I asked him, I said, is this how you spell bragamony? Somebody said, that ain't a word. Well, it's going to be a Keithism, okay? But here, it's a word today. There's this great preacher in California, his name is Jack Hayford. You may be seen him on TV. Brilliant at mine. I, I went to his conference some years ago. And he, he, would, he would say these words, and I'm like, I never had that in seminary. I've never read that. And I ask some people, I go, y'all kind of in the Hayford camp, and y'all have gone to a seminary in college. Is that a real word? They go, no, there's Hayfordism. Sometimes he just makes up stuff. But he would teach the word, but he'd have these words to try to explain. So here is the thing that I want to give you is a, is, a, is a keithism. No, is a, a bragamony or a testimony. See, Paul is going to start bragging. Paul is going to be braggadocious. That is the r- real word and he's going to start bragging about who he is and he is special but he's not going to he's not going to stay there he's going to be delivered over to a testimony which i'm grateful for it's called in the middle box it's called the apostles seven assets i want you to look at number one he says I'm a person, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, that was a big deal. Even it talks about Jesus was, and, and he says here that, that I'm, uh, it's the right ritual. It was given by God as a sign of covenant to Abraham, and I'm going to do that. Look at Luke 2.21, if you want write down the side. But he goes, hey, I've had this circumcision, so that's the right ritual. I got that. Here's a second one. He goes, and I am of the, the stock of Israel. In other words, he was into nationalism. Man, I'm of the right race. I'm a, um, I'm I'm of Israel, and, and my, my roots are, are are traced back to this. The third one, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, the twelve tribes, and man, this is really special. And he, and basically, he goes. This is elitism. I am an elite person. I love the tribe of Benjamin. So he's got this, this pedigree that he's beginning to go down who he is. And then he goes, also, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, born to the Hebrew parents. He, he spoke the Hebrew language. He went to Hebrew skills, skills schools. He was trained on the great Rabbi Gamiel. I mean, he was just, he had all the right training. That's where he even learned to, to hate Christians, if you will, and persecute people the way when you read about him in the book of Acts. And then the fifth one is he goes, and I'm a Pharisee. And a Pharisees, see, when we hear Pharisee, we go, yeah, Jesus didn't like the Pharisees. He wasn't big on those. No, he wasn't. But this meant a Pharisee was, uh, was the right occupation. A Pharisee, in that day he was known as a person that had separated himself in Acts 23, uh, 6, if you want to write it down. They were strict. They were conservative. They boasted in how zealous they were. They, man, they were just zealous for the law. They were zealous for God. Uh, they were unlike the Sadducees, and uh, that's a whole Another deal. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, but the Pharisees did. And they had this strict sect of the law that they, they followed. And he goes, and I, and I am a Pharisee. And he goes, six, I'm a zealous persecutor. I persecute the church. I'm, I'm fanatical about killing Christians and having them taken. And I persecute the people of the way. And, and I was part of the, the mob that got Stephen And when you read about Stephen in the book of Acts, I love it. The Bible says that when Stephen was pelted with those stones and they killed and they took the life of Stephen, the great Christian. The Bible says that King Jesus, he stood up in heaven. It's the only place I really remember seeing that where Jesus just took notice of his martyr, of his son in the faith and he believed him. So he's a persecutor. And the seventh was he was blameless before the law he had the right morality. He had the, the morality of the people there. He, he would follow the law in a meticulous fashion. He, he followed after God wholeheartedly. I mean, that was his way. He says, I am a person that is orthodox. I have the right beliefs, the right religion, and I boast. I could boast in what I have accomplished. And if we stop there, you're going, man, we're all sunk. I, I don't have some of that stuff. And you look at somebody next to you, are like, man, they're, they're like here and I'm here. He goes, you know what? I'm trading in those credentials. Those, those credentials don't really mean anything. They're kind of manure, based on knowing Christ. It's like, man, this is this is cheap. I, I want to know Him. I want to minimize the the work of the flesh, and I want to maximize the work of the gospel. This morning, you might say, "But, but Keith, I'm I'm a 22-year small group leader. That's awesome." Hey, Keith, I'm a I've been doing this. I, I teach this. I do that. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's, hey, I serve the church in this capacity. That, that's incredible. Hey, I do this and this and this, and I witness my faith, and I've won 27 people to Christ this year. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you just tell me about all the things you've accomplished. But it all comes down to knowing Jesus. It's not about all the stuff we do. It's about what Jesus has done. And, and, and you look here. So he, he says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort in verse 3, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, other reasons have others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, but I have even more. In, in other words, Paul is, he's kind of full of himself here. He, he really is bragging about where he comes from. But then he realizes but this doesn't measure up to Jesus. Jesus is far superior to that which I have. In the um, verse seven, move down there with me. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. The, the, the key word there that I want you to write in is the word count. I count it all rubbish. I count it all not, no. There's a, there's a profit and loss statement. I started to draw it in your notes, and I ran out of room, so I would just get you to draw a box right now if you'd like to take notes. And on one side of the equation, I'd put, I'd put loss. And then I'd like draw a T. And I'd put loss on this side. And on the other side, I would put the word profit. And on the loss side, under that, I'd go, this is all the things that are going for me. This is all my fleshly accomplishments. This is what I have done, what I'm doing. And then on the other side, it'd really be beautiful. You only have to write down one word. Jesus. And I look at what I've done. And I look at Jesus. And I look at, lost and i look at gain profit and there's nothing considered greater gain than knowing christ in one gospel it says what shall it gain a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul and the lord was very sober when he said that to us and so i ask, where's my joy centered where is your joy centered i pray it's rooted and grounded in jesus I'm going to keep saying that. You're saying, man, you're, you're big on this Jesus. Man, I am big on Jesus. I mean, he saved me. I don't, everything else is just craziness. It's, it's no comparison. There's no pleasure. It's a waste. You, you, remember, you remember when the woman one day, she took the alabaster box and she broke it and she wiped the feet of Jesus. She cleaned the feet of Jesus and she took her hair and she dried off the feet of Jesus. And then they came indignant if they did and they came to and Jesus. Why? Why such waste? And Jesus says, No, you don't get it. This is not waste. She's done the best. And I think a lot of times people think, well, man, if I accomplish all this, and then at the end of my life, I'll go on a mission trip. At the end of my life, I'll do something noble for Christ. At the end of time, we'll build a building and I'll pay for it right before I take my last breath. I'll write a check and y'all can pay for the building. Oh, really? Everybody says that when they're living, (laughs) but would you? And it's like, man, like C.T. Studd. You ever heard of C.T. Studd? He was a a great cricketer player of Cambridge, Cambridge, England, and he'd inherited a great wealth. He had this huge fortune that he got from his relatives, and and yet he gave up the entire fortune. He gave up all the estate to go to inland China and unevangelized Africa to carry the gospel. And some people said, oh, C.T. stud, what a waste. You know what his response was? I'd write it down. Heavenly gain. Oh, I might have had more trinkets and more stuff in this life, but all that was nothing compared to the glory of Christ. Heavenly gain. A joy to the sick of Christian happiness is, is giving up. I want you to write down a, a, a passage I found last night and. It's so rich. It's in the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter, the 33rd verse. It says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus is very clear. Folks, let me tell you, this is where I get upset with today's cheap Christianity. We give up stuff. We deny ourselves. We pick up our cross and we follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. That is gospel-centric, biblical preaching. Deny, repent, and follow Jesus. Not say a prayer and live like you want. Oh, man, it's so much more. And Jesus says, give it all to me. Go after me. Pursue me. My soul is going to follow hard after you. Let me have an insatiable desire for you, King Jesus. And then he goes on down here. Because this religiousness of that day, legalism, and it was all the Judaizers, it was all getting in the way in the Levitical law. And for us, our pride gets in the way and it counsels out Christ. And he goes, come to, come to Christ, come to the cross, just lay down your stuff, trust him, go after him, count him as a, a severe goal of your life, pursue him. Because you know what? Religion, as John MacArthur says, pure religion just damns our soul. Religion doesn't save anybody. It's a relationship with Christ. Knowing Christ. Right on the very front, I, I love how my friend opened today. Welcome. He goes, hey, we're going to learn about the joy of knowing Christ. That's where it's at. There's joy in knowing Christ. Can you say that? There's joy. Wait, wait, let's say it again. There's joy in knowing Christ. That's right. And that's what I want you to leave here with me. I, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. But let's move here. I want you to see verse 8 because I promised I would get there in church and I didn't know if I would. Verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless was compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul, man, he nails it. He goes, infinite, eternal value, knowing Christ. He says, I've discarded everything else, turning it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. And, and when he talks about that, when you read this in the Greek, and it basically says it says rubbish, it says dung, it says the animal excrement, uh, garbage, rubbish. Uh, Peterson says dog dung. Did do, 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 do I have to draw you a picture? Here, here's a picture. No, no, you understand. This is nothing. This is this is just garbage. This is just senseless. There's nothing compared greater than the infinite value of knowing experientially. Please, let me beg you today. Do you experientially know Christ? I'm not saying, oh, I've got all the value. I've got all the understanding. I've got all the facts, Pastor. I'm religious. I go to religious school. Oh, bless you. I do all this. No, I've got it all in my head, and it's never come to your heart. Do you experientially know the Christ of the resurrection? That's what Paul's trying to say. He says, man, all this other stuff, man, I'm the chief guy. In other words, he'd go, hey, I'm the chief dung. But Christ, Christ is the prize. I go after him. I'll give you the Greek word when it says dung or whatever. It says that That's like a fun word. Skubula. Yeah, it, it, spell it the way it sounds. Okay, here we go. And then verse 9, let's get there. Consistent position. This is my life goal. That's what Paul's trying to say is that I'm going after him, living in union with Jesus, right standing with the Father, having right relationship with him, and um, not in rule-keeping, but trusting in the righteousness of Jesus, abiding in him. By grace will you and I be admitted into heaven, not through accomplishment, not through religious activity. If anything, that will trip us up. But following Christ, not trying to earn it, but allowing christ to do his work here here would be the illustration if we go to the beach this summer and somebody's drowning and you're praying a lifeguard or you or somebody's going to go and rescue that person right and you're going to save them from this plight of death and then you let's say you save the person and cpr and all that and when they get through they're like yeah man i saved myself you're like you did dude i should just let you die no you wouldn't have said that no you saved them you rescued them that's the way it is we're trying to say Jesus saves, Jesus saves. But then we're like, but Jesus, I helped you by all my accomplishments. You you didn't help me. I finished the work at the cross a couple thousand years ago. I saved you by my blood. I saved you by life. Look at this. uh, He he says here, this continued passion. Write that down. There's just this passion that I mean, know him experientially. I mean, know him personally. We, We call it, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? No, I have a lot of religious activity. No, 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 no. That's good. Pastor, I have gold stars. You know, we don't, I mean, we're such a contemporary church. I don't even know what that means. I, I remember it from the 60s. Yeah, I'm old. But um, we used to have these charts, and sometimes you'd get these little stickers or little things. And if you were really good and you went to church all the time and gave your tithe and did all this, you'd get, you'd get these charts like, what are they going to do? They're going to bury you in your casket, and you're going to take those to heaven and say, Jesus, I want to present my papers to you. <laughs> Jesus is going, I I just made that up. I mean, it's not going to do it. It's going to be no. You knew me. You know me, man. Infinitely far value. Look at this passage uh, from the Amplified, chapter three, verse ten. And this so that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him and understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection which overflows and is active in believers. I love that. Man, I want to know him. I, that's all I care about. When I'm dead and gone or old and gray, maybe I'm that now, hey, wait, whenever... My time is through. I just pray you go. I know Christ. I love Christ. My desire is Christ. My appetite is for Christ. Christ is my life. Christ is my redeemer. Christ is my friend. Christ is my healer. Christ is my hope. Christ is going to take me to heaven. You should join us on Wednesday nights for small groups if you want to go to heaven. No but we're studying heaven and you would be amazed what we're learning right paul i mean it's just amazing what we're learning about heaven wednesday night just thought i'd make a plug in there but you'll go to heaven if you don't go to the class and that would be just me adding rules like you know if you i won't pick on any denomination i'll let you figure it out there used to there are denominations like now girls if y'all wear some makeup y'all going to hell that just scares the bajukas out of me. I don't know how to spell that either. Or if y'all do this, you won't go to heaven. And, people, and there's religions, there's Christian faiths that are built on rule keeping. And if you do this and you do that, not in the Bible, they just go, this is what you do, and this is how you get there. And if you don't keep that, you know, you, you got to wear this, you know, like, like guys wearing the skirts. But the girls, you can only wear skirts. Like, they would come to our church and they freak out. You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, you don't have a skirt on. Well, I know, praise God. Isn't that cool? And if you want to wear a skirt, that's cool too. But anyway, just the whole thing. Knowing him, knowing Christ. Let me just give it to you. Blake will probably cover this with the teenagers. He's doing a series on the 23rd Psalm. And I, and I thought about John 10. It says, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and they know me. I'm the shepherd. I have a voice, and they listen to me. Are you listening to Jesus? Oh, we can come and gather and worship in small groups, and we love that, and that helps you grow and accelerate spiritually your growth. But at the end of the day, do you know the voice of the Lord? Do you know Christ? Do you know that tender voice? The other day somebody was saying, yeah, I'm talking to my kid right now about how to hear the voice of God. That's what I want you to do is know him. Know his voice, that you delight in him more than you do anything else. I don't remember the player. Maybe y'all will. I'm not a golfer, but it's a great story. There was a few, several years ago, I remember there was a guy that won a green jacket. You win the Masters, you win a green jacket. Aren't they going for the green jacket today? Yeah. And this guy won a green jacket and it was the coolest thing. I remember watching, I'm not even a golfer, but I heard this. I just can't remember his name. And he said this, he goes, he's, he's walking up to the 18th hole. It was on Easter Sunday. He sank the putt and the commentator came to him and says, You just sank the biggest putt. Is this the biggest day in your life? And he turned to this announcer, and this guy did not know what to do. He says, no, it was the biggest day in my golf life. But the biggest day in my life happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. I know Christ. And the guy goes, and we'll take a station break now. (laughs) I love that. Today, I wish somebody would be that bold. I don't think Tim Tebow plays golf, so it probably won't happen. Okay. Well, I've seen him play golf, and it was kind of pathetic. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Know him. Be comforted by Christ. Somebody asked Billy Graham one time, said, Billy, what is the, the greatest highlight of your life? Was it meeting ambassadors and kings and counseling presidents? Was it traveling the world? What is the greatest highlight? And Billy turned to the guy, and he said, the greatest highlight of my life and the guy leaned in what billy what knowing christ that's the highlight of my life and now dr graham just drifts off into an old old age when you see him on tv he looks like moses just kind of came back resurrected (laughs) that white hair i would try to imitate him but my imitation i can do ronald reagan but i can't do billy graham so i won't do it for you okay I can't believe, uh, edit that out. I, I don't want to do it for you. Okay, here we go. True righteousness comes through abiding in Christ. Chris, would, would you come? Uh, abandoning your own efforts in abiding in Christ. I've asked Chris, uh, as he's coming today, maybe there's a little something that I want to do. I don't know how we'd end today, because we don't have a big song at the end. And, uh just been praying about, Lord, that this whole message is about knowing you. Intimately knowing Christ, not about him, but knowing him. And everything that I've read and everything I've learned over the years, so many people don't know Christ. And they can be religious and they can come and maybe all do know Christ. And that'd be great. I don't know hearts, only God does. But I thought today would be a great day, man, just to know that you know and be sure that you're sure and have the assurance of your salvation and know that your sins are forgiven and know that you have eternal life with God in heaven in Christ and knowing that you can experience the abundant life now and hear his voice and I thought man that's a good way to the end today and I thought how does it happen and the way it happens is you abandon your own efforts and your achievements and you go but I want to abide in Christ I want to trust him and I just want to experience Jesus. So today I asked Chris, uh, I said, Chris, man, you play the piano and you sing. I said, there's a song that you do that I love. And it centers in on what I want to talk about today, knowing Christ. Jesus, be the sinner. We're not going to sing the whole song. We're going to sing kind of chorus or a little bit. So I'm going to ask you to stand across the room. Will you do that with me? And, uh, you know, can, can you cut the lights down just a little bit? Because right now, in my spirit, I sense some people need to come to this altar today and just nail some things down spiritually and pray for one another. And Chris will just sing over us. And maybe we could sing with Chris as the words are on the screen. But I'm just going to be down here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you in the relationship with Christ. Or maybe your friend would come with you and go, hey, I'll go with you. Hey, bring somebody with you right now during this time. It's just Jesus, be the sinner. Lord, come. Move on this place today with the spirit of salvation, Lord Jesus. Deliver people today from addictions and sin. Break hearts for the gospel and give new life, Father, in the name of Jesus. But Jesus, be the center of it all. Chris, I I might just talk over you, but go ahead. Start singing. Hey, let's just sing this song and some of you begin to come out. Come on, church. Come out. Some of you need to come out right now and just hit this altar. We just need to pray. Go ahead and start singing, Chris. Here we go.